Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. Hey, everybody. Happy Tuesday to you and yours. Happy All Saints Saints Day. Is it All Saints Day? What is that exactly? I don't know. We used to get the day off in Catholic school. Did you really? Yeah, it was tight. We had the day off after Halloween every single year. Um, I think the day after Halloween should be a holiday. And it is, if you're Catholic. And Sean Gentili. <laughs> That's Sean Gentili. Gentili. Whatever. Whoever it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Craig Custance. Did I say that? Oh, it's Tuesday. It's time for the American edi- edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. And what a show we have in store today. We have possibly top three... Uh, uh, Tuesday Show Hall of Famer, Don Granado returns. Donnie Meatballs. I, I didn't wear my shirt, but I should have. Do you have your shirt ready to go for that interview later today, oh, man, Sean? That's a, that's a great that's a great call. I need it. Buffalo Sabres head coach, Don Granado. Um, I don't know if he's a friend of the show, but we, we can call him that behind his back. And uh, we like him. And we like the Sabres, so that's coming up in segment two. Oh, hold on. Like, he was like the second, I believe he was the second guest we ever had. He is certainly the first return guest who's been team personnel both times. We've had Keith Yandel on twice, but Keith's in the media now, so he doesn't count. That sounds like a technicality, Sean. I don't think it is. I, I think I think there's something to be said for having, you know, a coach back twice who has been coaching the same team the entire time. In my opinion, uh, and right. he also he also uh, he also busted my ass about having a oh my gosh, my, dra- the my drawers. Dresser drawers open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should. Can you hold on between mm-hmm. now and when we record, which we're doing later today? Will you just trash the room? Like just make it. Uh, up, like a, uh, yeah, it might take me yeah. a while. It's going to be a real. I don't know, man. You're asking a lot. <laughs> so that segment two, we wanted to start. And talk a little bit about the Boston Bruins. And we are going to tie in some Toronto Maple Leafs talk because it's coach-related. I know it's controversial on the American show. 
but it's really interesting what's going on up there. We're going to tie this in. But Jim Montgomery and your Boston Bruins, folks, are off to an 8-1 and one start. Best team in hockey right now. Fluto is already writing Mia culpas about I was wrong about this team. They're playing fast. There's there's depth there. Uh, they, they seem to be rallying around the coaching change. I know it's early. I, maybe a soft schedule. I haven't looked. I, I have, I've heard a little bit of rumblings of eh, you know they've had some breaks early in the schedule. But Sean, the Bruins are on fire. Where's this coming from? It, and without Charlie McAvoy, by the way. I, Fluto's writing me a culpas. I honestly hadn't even I hadn't even seen that. Yes. He He's already done the I was wrong about this team column, which usually you save for December, but he's ready to declare it now. That's an early declaration on I was wrong about this team. You know who wasn't wrong about this team? Oh, here we go. Me. Oh, you knew this was coming? Me! Did you really? You like you do I picked that. Yeah, I I think they were. I think the reports that demise were a little bit exaggerated. I don't think I had them at eight and one or whatever. By the way, quick quick rundown of the game log, just yeah. just so we just so we know where we're at. Okay. Uh, Washington, Arizona, Florida, Ottawa, Anaheim, Minnesota, Dallas, Detroit, Columbus. Like, is that soft? I don't think so. Some, I think some it's teams I, coming I, off back back to backs. I think uh, whatever. You know. I'm I'm gonna twist the data to support my narrative, which is okay. a hallmark of really any good journalist in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they would be okay. Like I I didn't I didn't think that. I think Jim Montgomery is a good coach. I think there is going to be a bit of a coach bounce there. I think Patrice Bergeron is still pre- Patrice Bergeron. Mm-hmm. Goaltending not a disaster. It was it was it was good enough last year with Olmark and Swayman, and I thought they were going to be able to tread water until McAvoy and Marchand and Grizzlick and, and those guys came back. That I think they were going to be eight and one. Did I think they were going to be you know uh, a tr- like the kind of five on five powerhouse we've seen from them again like this year? Just like just like all the last, no. I mean, they're because they are their top five and X goals and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I, I think they're dominating to a degree that I doubt that anybody really anticipated in the first month yeah. of the season. But this is still this is still a really good team. I think the pump was primed for them to be for them to, if nothing else, tread water and be in avoid you know catastrophe early on in the season, and then wait for Marshawn and McAvoy to get back. Um, I, this, you know, I, I remember being pretty surprised when Bruce Cassidy was, was fired in Boston and, you know, some of the things that Fluto was mentioning was, oh, this team seems to really like Jim Montgomery, really like the style. You're starting to realize that maybe there was, I mean, more frustration than was publicly shared about the coach last year. And so I think that's probably a big part of it. Um, David Pasternak, who has 17 points through nine games. For the Boston Bruins, um, still needs to be signed with it. Seventeen points, giving him one for every million dollars he will make annually on his next contract. Yeah, uh, Pierre LeBron reported it was a few days ago. Now I want to say that there still seemed to be a bit of a gap between the Bruins and Pasternak's camp. Um, th- this was this this one's going to be a bit of a grind. Although I, you know, probably it gets done, but I feel like every day 
doesn't the asking price go up there? Yeah, but the thing about them is, I mean, I, I think it makes sense for both for both sides to get something done. And that sounds corny and it's something you hear all the time, but it is true. They have a lot of money and they have a lot of money coming off the books next year. That's that's the other mm. thing you need to think about when you're talking about Pasternak in the in the Bruins. Now these are are these players that they that they'd want to sign? Like, yeah, sure. But Nick Foligno makes almost four million dollars against the cap, right? They picked him up on waivers. Pavel Zaka has been a good a good pickup for them, but he's expensive. Did they keep him around? Craig Smith comes off. That's three point one. You know who knows what happened with Bergeron. I think the question is, you know, is this the last run for the Bruins as as constituted? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's going to be part of the calculus for Pasternak. Is he is he going to say like, yeah, sure, I'm I want to stick around. I want to be, you know, especially if we're living in a post Bergeron era, right? Like that's the, all that matters for. For that team is what he decides to do because the moment he's out, regardless of how good Brad Marchand still is, regardless of you know strides we you know if Charlie McAvoy ends up winning a Norris this year, whatever ends up whatever ends up happening, yeah, they go as far as Bergeron goes, right? So if if he splits, then all bets are off. But it but if he's you know, I don't know. It's it's not impossible to see a world where something gets done between between Pasternak and uh, Austin. So this is the classic, like we maybe we should have seen this coming a little bit more because this is like the classic rally around Bergeron. Hey, let's let's just dial in one last year here as a group and come out house of fire. Yeah. And Krejci's still a good player. That's a that's a big thing too. Like I, I think I don't know if people oh I don't know if people over or under underestimated how much him leaving last year meant to that to that roster, but I don't know, man. Six sixty percent X goals. He's scoring points. He's doing David Krejci things on that second line, giving them an option. You know, other than just stacking everything mm-hmm. up top, because I, I that's that's what Krejci does, right? Like I think he just makes everything fit. You don't have to worry about Charlie Coyle playing out of position and playing as as your second line center, which like not going to work. Didn't work last year. Wasn't going to work again. Mm-hmm. Once you have Krejci in place, those guys, their lineup just makes makes a whole lot. A whole lot more sense, and you know, again, Hampus Lindholm's. I was gonna say making. <sighs> let's appreciate Hampus Lindholm how good he's been. Yeah. I, and you know, one of those moves last year, I like. I, I don't know if I appreciated it, and kind of uh, was wondering where the Bruins were in their arc, and it's, if if it made sense to pick up somebody kind of where he was in his career. And he's really good. He's been really good for them. Yeah, not just the trade. You know, it's the extension that came yeah. immediately after that. That was the one where intellectually, you know, I have no problem. Like, of course, they should trade for him to Slintholm. Like, this is a win now, especially at that point. It's a win now team. Like, what are you going to do? You're not going to have Patrice yeah. Bergeron forever. Like, McAvoy is elite. Give him some help. Left, the left side of, the, of their defense was always kind of, was kind of funky, even when Grizzik was healthy. So, you know, go get him. That's fine. The extension is where, you know, stuff starts to get fuzzy. But we've talked about this I mean, you and I have uh, talked about it in a million different places, I feel like, at this point. Like, who cares about the last three years of that deal or two, or two years of that it's deal right. for, for, for him as Lindholm? Like, tr- truly, who cares? Yeah. Even even when even when they signed it, even when it seemed like it was going to age badly and it still, st- still may. Yeah. 
Like what? What's the point? Try to win hockey games when you have Patrice Bergeron and David Pasternak and elite Charlie McAvoy and all these pieces in place. Like, is it going to pay off? Like, probably not. Like, are are they going to win a cup? Like, you shouldn't bet on it, right? Like, they're not like odds on favorites. It's okay to try. Try what's what? Like, otherwise, (laughs) otherwise, seriously, what's the point? Like, we're like we're sitting here. And splitting hairs and parsing over whether Hampus Lindholm should have gotten four years or five years or or whatever, right. it's just it's crazy. Go go out and win games while you have the top end talent that you, you know kind of ne- necessitates the the try. Right. And so you could say, well, you know, Bruce Cassidy, maybe that was the issue. But meanwhile, out in the Pacific Division, your Vegas Golden Knights are eight and two, not bad. Uh, seems like he's doing okay out there. Like that team, is that a goaltender story or a coach story in your mind? I think no matter what happened with that team this year, it was going to be a it was going to be a goaltender story. Yeah, because that's just the nature. Like that was the narrative that emerged after their off season because we had some maybe a goofy ending to the season with Robin Leonard. He's then it turns out that he needs surgery. Like that that whole thing was. A mess but that yeah. it was also it was also unexpected and you know kind of late in the game when when we found out that Leonard was gonna was gonna miss the season with the hip thing right so of course that's narrative that took hold because there's nobody proven behind him um but you gotta say that with with an asterisk because Logan Thompson was really good down the stretch last year and mm-hmm. there are a lot of people around that team and a lot of people you know who have paid attention to Logan Thompson for much longer than I have, who were pretty bullish on him and and what he would do if he had a chance to to run with the job here. And that's what's happened. But it's also happened in concert with that team, you know, kind of fulfilling some of its potential from a skater standpoint, right? Like their numbers right. are ex- their numbers are exact are exactly where you want them to be. Eichel um, seems like he's Eichel again. Yeah. Who, who could have seen that coming? I know. For those but, who are, are Logan Thompson sitting with a nine forty three save percentage and one point six nine goals against, yeah, <laughs> he's already he's plus he's like more than six goals saved above expected. Like everything yeah. across the board checks out with the way Logan Thompson has played for, through the first through his first six starts this season. Aiden Hill's been pretty good backing him up. I mean, like this is an all around success story. I think for Vegas at this point. Right, this is exactly what they needed because of the noise and the drama. Most of it self-created by you know that that organization and, and the way it's and the way it's done things and kind of the track it's it's uh, it's set for itself. But this is the start they needed, man, and it yeah, and it's yeah. and it's and it's unfolding exactly the way they could have they could have hoped. So it it leads us, and we we won't turn this into Maple Leaf talk, but for one minute, just because I like talking about coaches, you have. Through the lens of Boston and Vegas, kind of two spectrums, and and maybe how strict a program or how hard on players a coach may be. Um, and again, just generalizing, you know, there's a lot of talk coming out of Toronto about how Mitch Marner is being treated or should be treated. Or so, mm-hmm. where are you in that? Like, where are you in that, that pendulum of hey? You're allowed to coach players. You're allowed to call out a player. These are millionaires with high expectations. You have to hold players accountable. Accountable, but also, oh, you may lose them at some point and end up losing your job. Man, it's a tough spot. 
I think it's a microcosm of how screwed up the situation is in Toronto right now, right? There, yeah. There's so much, there's so much stuff going wrong with that team, dude. Like, and, and we all, everybody focus on the goaltending at the start of the season, understandably, because Matt, Matt Murray and Elias Samsonov both stunk out loud last year and, and, and for the foreseeable, you know, in, in the recent past and all that reasonably, right? It was yeah. fine for people to harp on the goaltending and all that stuff. That's ironically been kind of the least of their problems. Like Murray's hurt, but Samsonov's has, has been fine. Whether that continues, like is almost besides the point as he's kind of kept them afloat. That's when all this other stuff has gone haywire. It's, and there's roster issues and there's performance issues and you know, there's bad luck. There's a million different things mm-hmm. kind of circulating here, but the Marner thing is a one top of the mountain. That's like the, six alarm fire that they're trying to put out this week. And it's insane. Like Mm -hmm. the narrative around it is insane. The argument against Sheldon Keefe's decision is insane. You're, you're basically arguing against the concept of coaching a player. Like I, and I, and I (laughs) think that that's sort of, you know, cause I think we're generally a, a pro player space and, and, and all that. I 100%. Cer- like I, that's like, I certainly yes. am. Oh, what is that supposed to mean? I think you're, cause you're, cause you're a boss. I'm pro management coaching. You're management. People are kind of, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Like, what are we, like, what are we supposed to do with Mitch? Like, what is Sheldon Keefe supposed to do with Mitch Marner? Because all the, because whether it's, it's, pe- whether it's people on Twitter or, or media folks like making this argument where it's like, well, you know, you gotta be, you, you gotta be aware if you're Sheldon Keefe, uh, of, of the kind of personality you're dealing with, with, with Mitch Marner. And the implication is that Mitch Marner can't be coached, that he can't be criticized, that he can't, that you can't push any of the buttons with him that you would with a normal player. And I don't understand how that's a justifiable case. Like, you're like, oh, no, this is, it's not a justifiable case. It's not a justifiable argument. Mitch Marner is good. Like, that's basically what it boils down to. Mitch Marner is really good, so you should just kind of let him do what he wants is, is, the, is the argument here. Right. I don't understand. And I, and I sincerely don't understand it. Like, that, like that, is the, that is a fundamental problem with the Toronto Maple Leafs. If Mitch Marner needs to be treated differently than everybody and, you know, and, but he's good. So it justifies this crazy treatment where he can't be even be gently criticized publicly or bench for any amount of time or whatever. Like, what are we, what are we talking about here? Right. Yeah. Then what levers can Sheldon pull? Well, like, what point? is he, what is he supposed to do? <laughs> right. Ask, you're just ask like him. A, then you're just a caretaker. Then you're just like, here. Good luck, boys. Because the justification can't be like Mitch Marner cares and he plays hard and whatever. Because, yeah, sure, he cares and he pl- lots of guys care and play hard. Mm-hmm. And, and at times their performance doesn't doesn't back it up. And they make bad decisions because maybe they're trying too hard. What do you do then? I don't and – and there's not a right answer to it. And I think that's kind of – you know, I know that that's a lot of what, you know, people who are making the argument are kind of flicking at here. Like there's no easy – there's no easy solution. But just washing your hands of it and saying like, oh, you know, Sheldon shouldn't have done that. Like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's senseless. Let's, uh, let's make sure we ask Don Granado something along those lines. I mean, he's not going to want to talk about Mitch Marner, but um, he's coming mm-hmm. up next in the next segment. 
he's he's a guy that would players seem to really like to play for. He got the job because he was developing young talent, but he's also pushing people. I don't think anyone thinks Johnny Granado is going to, you know, isn't going to push his star. So that's, that's, let's take a break here. And I think, I, I think, I, I think I know how I'm going to phrase it. Right? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's say you were in Toronto. No, find a good way to phrase it. So he doesn't know what we're asking. All right. We'll be right back. Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking a W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. We are now thrilled to be joined again. This is a this is a uh, this is a I guess recurring interview about this time of year by Buffalo Sabres coach Don Granado. Coming off a solid eight three win over the Red Wings, seems things going pretty pretty well in Buffalo. Don, how are you? Thanks for doing this. Good, thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you're thrilled. That doesn't. That's not a word I've heard often when <laughs> we're thrilled. <laughs> it's I really say that for everyone. I'm not like, you know, but I really am. This. <laughs> I mean, he says it. That's the way he like plays in every guest. And I can tell when he's lying. Like it's very, it's, it's very clear when he's like not interested to talk to somebody. Seriously? That's, yeah, that's not the, that's, 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 that? that's not the case. Today. That one? <laughs> is this a genuine thrilled? <laughs> I'm thrilled. Yeah, he's psyched. Yeah. This is yes. honest. This is he li- but he lies all the time. He, he lies, he lies about other people. Not you. Oh, all right, great, thanks. So beware, so, beware guests. That's right. That's right. <laughs> beware, my, hey, we're thrilled again to be so. Don, uh, there's, I mean, there's so much to cover here with this team. I, I'm going to start with Tage Thompson because he's coming off this monster game in, in against Detroit, and you know, if you're just looking at the score sheet, it seems like he's on track. But I, I imagine. He probably, I think you even said at some point, was probably putting some pressure on himself early on. How long did he, do you think it took for him to work that out? Well, it was probably one week ago that, mm-hmm. that I had, we had media members asking, you know, are you concerned with the slow start by him? Yeah. 
are you concerned with him and and even Jeff Skinner? Um, and my answer was no. I, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned this early. These guys are not in. I mean, it's a fight to get into midseason form, which is kind of a rhythm. Mm-hmm. They can't train for regular season games over the summer. They can train in the weight room. They can train their skills. But, you know, the regular season pace and teamwork and, you know, rhythm that you need to hit as a team, that's not coming for at least 10 to 20 games. And, right. uh, you know, the habits that Tej has, the commitment, dedication that he has to getting to his game, you could see the work he put in, you know, through training camp and the work he put in through practices in early season. It, it, there was an inevitability to him scoring based on that with his talent, with his skill level. So, um, you know, as long as we could do our part as coaches and keep him, you know, upbeat, not second guessing himself and uh, buying into anybody else's frustration, I thought we would be fine. And um, he's it's not his first time through challenges and adversity, as you guys know. Um, he's He's got a lot of experience at hardship even though he doesn't have a, a long NHL career yet, uh, and he's proven to battle right through it. So, mm. so uh, this was minor for him. I mean, last season we saw him make as drastic a jump as we've seen from any player in a long time. I mean, he was he was unbelievable. But how uh, how did he how has he improved off of that? Like, what what has he added to his bag over the summer? Like, how, how has he changed as a player, even from that serious change we saw in between uh, twenty and twenty one? The biggest and most impactful change is reassurance that all the work you put in before you saw the rewards was was accurate, right? Uh-huh. It was worth it. Um, you know, now if 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 I think about you know two players I had on the same team at the national team program were Tage Thompson. Well, I can name several. Uh, you know, Austin Matthews, Matthew Kachuk. Um, Charlie McAvoy, all, oh, Zach Wierenski, all on the same team at the national team. Birth, they're in the same birth year. And the trajectory for, say, Austin Matthews or Matthew Kachuk was, you know, pretty much um, impact upon entry to the NHL. Right. For Tej, you know, it took longer. It took much longer. And yet, you know, I could see that he was every bit as talented as, as those guys and, you know, different different skill sets maybe, but but every bit as talented and you you know through that duration you you know you can second guess yourself at times you can wonder if you're going to get to where you suspected you might get to um and then after scoring 38 goals and whatever number of points he had uh having time to reflect over that in the summer and then coming in now and doing what he's done just in the last little bit uh, i think he's coming to the real realization like hey i am you know, I am a top player. I can be a top player immediately right now. I don't have to wait any longer. And that was a big part of our conversations a year ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I had lots of talks with him early in the season last year saying, Taze, you've done all the work necessary. It, you are an NHL goal scorer. Now, now the only thing left is to score. <laughs> like, you can't work any harder and commit any longer than you have. You, you're a scorer. So, and it was almost like a re- release for him. And now that you you accomplish that, it's another level of release. Uh-huh. He his self image, self projection, you know, is now accurate that he's you know a handful at the NHL level, an imposing player, and uh, he's I think getting acclimated, accustomed to that, and having fun with it. I, I think last night is a great example of that, right? Because the first goal is a bazooka. It's a, it's a stuff you expect from you know 
a six, seven dude, but those, those other two goals, that's, those are handsy. Those are goal scorer goals who you, that, that you typically see from guys who are seven, seven, eight, nine inches shorter <laughs> than him. Right. So is that, is that something that he's developed that, that sort of the ability and tight, the, the, the confidence to go in there and, and kind of, and, and make those moves. Like, is that something you saw from him, even when you had him at the program that he's he probably did that to fault at the program. Mm. Mm-hmm. He, you know, I, I, I talk a lot and guys, you know, they, they're trying to score the highlight goal or the pretty goal. Um, you know, and then you have the, the, the goal scorer that just keeps shooting the puck. You know, Alex DeBrinkin comes to mind. Just give yeah. me the puck and shoot it. Mm-hmm. It's off my stick before it even gets on my stick. I just want to score. And and then, you know, at the other end of the spectrum are the guys that, that uh, you know, you know, toe drag and, and actually try to, you know, carry it all the way into the net and tuck it in. Um, and, and Tej had that confidence. Uh, so it's not, it's, there's not a you know, an overall negative to it, I guess, or a long-term negative to it because you, you have confidence in your skill. And and so, yes, at the national team, I thought Tage was guilty of that then as a 16 year old, you know, you're going to, you're going to give up 20 goals a year just because you're trying to score the perfect goal. Every time I'm down, you know, you can actually rip it through the defenseman and score a goal right now immediately. And so as a visual, you know, a player, the, the pure and natural goal scorers feel that I can score the goal anywhere. I can score it shooting through two defenders and pick my corner. The, the other guy says, I, I need to get around the defenseman, then get to the goalie. Then I can work on scoring the goal. And it's a, just a different mindset. And like I said, uh, you know, having worked with uh, or been around, you know, Alex Dabrinka with Chicago, that's a, that's a perfect example. He he's mm-hmm. ready. As soon as that puck is coming toward his stick, he believes he can find a way to score right now. Yeah. Uh, and Tej is getting that. And then that's, that's been a push, you know, from, from us as coaches to him catch and release because mm-hmm. you're, 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 you're giving the goalie too much of an opportunity uh, to get ready and set for your shot. And he's done that. He's done that better. So somebody a little in a completely different space in their development. Um, Jack Quinn sits, sits a couple games and then seems like he comes back a different player I think um, the uh, I forgot, you, said, you said he was like a honing torpedo. I think was your quote when he came back. What, like what leads to that? What's what's the switch that went off when when you see a young player? Like, yeah, transform? it's exciting. It's it's definitely exciting. I, I, I use the term homing torpedo. I remember saying that about him last season. Yeah, when we sat down to Rochester, mm-hmm. said this kid's like a homing torpedo. You just you sit and have a meeting with him and point out a couple of things and. He just he just zeroes right in on it, and he's off, um, mm. and he's he's not going to stop until he gets it done. So very intuitive guy for for a young guy. Uh, we felt the start of the year. He it was a little bit overwhelming the first couple of games. You go from NHL preseason <clears throat> to NHL regular season, that that actually is a monumental jump. Yeah, yeah. When you're a young guy. <clears throat> excuse me, because your rosters in the in preseason in the NHL are filled with lots of young guys, American League players, players that are on their way to the American League, and then veteran players that are, you know, somewhat going through the motions, you know, with some, you know, attention to maybe not getting hurt, not pulling a groin, just to get ready gradually for the regular season, knowing they're going to have to turn it up in mid-October uh, or, or opening night. And, and so for opening night in the NHL, it was such a huge jump for, for Jack. It caught him mm-hmm. off guard. I think. 
Hmm. Uh, he played the first couple, and then we thought, you know, sitting down with Kevin, Kevin Adams, and myself, the rest of the coach, we thought, hey, this is an opportunity. He could step back for for a game or two, and and decompress from this. Uh, and we felt it would, you know, the way he is, it would help him. Uh, and it certainly has. He he came back from that, and he's been better every game hmm. uh, from the standpoint of looking more comfortable, even stronger. What's the what's the messaging there with a player like that when you when you are saying, all right, let's let's get you some distance, let's let's take a breather here, especially a guy like that who seems like he cares, you know, certainly cares, and m- maybe cares a little bit more than most. Like how do you, how do you deliver that, especially early in the season to a guy like that? Well, that's the messaging is different for every player and for every situation there's always unique attributes to, to it but for jack he i think he only played two games last season so mm-hmm. much easier for him to accept yeah uh it, it, you know stepping back sitting in the press box or or being a you know being scratched from the lineup than obviously you know a, a player older um and you know he we felt we had built up enough relationship enough trust in a relationship with him uh between myself and really kevin adams our, our general manager you know discussing having conversation with him last year you know through training camp even from the point we drafted him a couple of years ago we built the relationship that we felt you know he trusts us that we have his best interest in mind in decisions we're making uh because we we want him we see how talented he is and we want him to be successful sooner than later Mm. Uh, and I think that made it easy for us to, to, to approach him and say, Hey, um, we're going to hold you out for the next two games. And I told him that two, you know, it'll be a couple games. Um, and then you're going to be right back in there. And it's, it's, this is not a, I guess what we wanted to do was make sure that it wasn't a threatening situation to him. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so we, we prefaced it that way. We said, Hey, you're going to step back for a couple, but you know, it's, it's not going to be much. Uh, because we need you back in there. We want you back in there. We actually think this is a, uh, a, a good opportunity to just decompress for a moment mm-hmm. before you get uh, your next game in. Well, Sean and I were just talking about the, you know, just the different personality approaches of coaches in the different styles and the, how they all can succeed. You see what Jim Montgomery's doing with Boston with the same crew that Bruce Cassidy had. Bruce is having success in Vegas with a different, you know, he's certainly a different kind of coach. We were talking about, you know, Mitch Marner and kind of some of the controversy or whatever that's surrounding how he's being handled. And I came as we were talking about this and then, you know, I was reading some stuff, you know, some, some coverage. You had a quote that said, your approach is about creating, I, I loved it, creating a challenging environment, not a threatening one. That's, I think that's probably a fine line. So I would love for you to kind of expound on that. What does that look like when you're dealing with a player. You have to correct things. You can't. It's not players can't do whatever they want out there. How how do you walk that fine line between challenging a player and and or you know making sure that they don't feel threatened? Well, that that is that is about as uh, deep a question as I've ever had. Um, mm. Honestly, because it is everything you do, you're riding that fine line in mm. the position of being a head coach. Um, you know, how you walk in a room, your mannerisms, how you talk, your verbiage, your, you know, eye contact, no eye contact. I mean, everything is. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mostly, you know, fitted in the context, I guess, of, and I've mentioned this a lot, even to our media, you know, there's 50 things in a game I could react on. Um, you know, if you just think of fans watching the game, you, you can get frustrated with this or that or this. And, you know, as a head coach, I can't, you, you know, it's, 
you can't overreact and you get in trouble overreacting, trying to react to everything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, part of that, that, that fits with creating a challenging environment, not a threatening environment is how you react to things and what you react to. Um, and do you overreact? You know, we've had, you know, even a disgruntled player, um, you, you don't want to overreact. You don't want to take things personal. You don't want to make it a personal situation. It's just, Hey, you have a player that overreacts and you know what? I've had plenty of players that overreact, but it's going to happen. It's part of our job. Let's just discuss it, talk about it and move on. Make sure that guy knows we actually support him, even though he might've lost some emotional control mm -hmm. and, uh, didn't, didn't, uh, operate the way we, we had hoped. Um, you know, so, but, but hundreds of incidents come to mind again, even, you know, your post game, um, how you speak to your team, how you speak to your team the next day after a game, win or loss, uh, are, are areas that you really, you know, we look at and say, okay, you know, are we crossing the line? Is this going to be perceived as threatening right. rather than, mm -hmm. rather than challenging? Uh, and then again, over the years, you know, the hindsight of coaching over the years is what, you know, what I guess it's, um, I've got a lot of experience making errors in that <laughs> right, that's, over the that's, years. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's true. It's a fact yeah. you were, you, you push a guy too hard or you, you, you say things the wrong way and, and the guy instantly feels threatened. Um, and you see it in their mannerism, you see it in their performance. You, you know, they play not to make a mistake rather than immerse in the moment. And, you know, that's a, this is a, unforgiving business as we all know these guys are critiqued and criticized often and and regularly um so it, it's it's they can feel threatened at any moment so mm -hmm. it, it is a very very fine line i i can't really explain it but it happens in everything you do you're you're you got to ask yourself that question um especially when you're around your team are there strategies there... i was just going to follow up are there strategies like I don't talk to the team after a game or that, you, you know, guardrails you've put up so that you can protect yourself from overreacting. Well, well one of the, one of the uh, simple things in hockey is when the coach walks in the locker room, and he's going to show a video. Think about if you lost the game, what, what video is going to go up on that screen in front of the team. Mm. So, you know, there's a moment there. Is it going to be threatening or is it going to be challenging? Mm -hmm. uh, and we pay a lot of attention to things like that. And you have decisions to make as a coach. Um, you know, what, what clips you show, what angle you take, what, um, you know, what initiative you're taking and your tone and everything else. So yeah, there's, it's, it's, there's a lot of subtleties, I guess, mm -hmm. um, hard to quantify. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you, you, over the years, you develop a feel, um, you learn, uh, you know, through that again, fortunately, you know, uh, unfortunately making mistakes, but that was part of the beauty for me of, of coaching a long time at the, you know, at the, a level, not in the NHL mm -hmm. is, you know, you, you had opportunity to try stuff that you just couldn't try in the NHL. You know, you just can't yeah. try. Right. It's not a, it's the NHL is not a league of innovation. Most of the innovation is outside, <laughs> you know, and, and then brought in later. And uh, that's what we've seen an influx of that in the last 10 years in our sport uh, or, or in the NHL, I should say. So, I was grateful to have lots of years outside the league before I, you know, got my shot as a head coach in it, hmm. uh, would help me. 
Well, I mean, that's the natural follow-up to that is like, what what is the influx of things you've seen brought from the outside world and into the into the NHL? Well, just just let's take take for example the influence. Um, you know, 10, 12 years ago, the thirty-year-old player in the NHL was the guy getting all the money mm-hmm. and the next big contract, and now it's a twenty-three-year-old. Right. And so, what's happened there is the leverage in the league shifted from, you know, the thirty-year-old and 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 let's face it, the the, the physically your body at thirty, you know, as you age, this is a young man's sport. So the leverage mm-hmm. was was you know in that in those hands, and if you think of that, then the agents that's where they were, you know, that's that's the players that were being signed to the big contract. Right. So that's the ones that were paid attention to. And when it flipped and the younger guys, those were the guys that were used to skills coaches and different types of practices and different, you know, um, you know, extra different stuff. Uh, and, and that really shifted the whole game. And obviously the, you know, the player agents had to shift then too. And they went into more heavy recruiting of kids that weren't even in the league, knowing that, you know, bigger money was going to players at a younger age. So, just the whole influence structure of the NHL changed just incredible how much it changed uh, really in the last seven, eight years based on that, based on where the contract, where the dollars have gone to the age group that it's gone. Those players have now, they influence the league much greater than, mm-hmm. than the older guy at this point. You mentioned, um, you, you said some, something was, was hard to quantify. Here's another thing that's maybe kind of hard to quantify. Um, how do you deal with making uh, sometimes the the right choice in a moment on on a given day maybe isn't the right choice for a week down the line or a month down the line or six months down the line and vice versa like how do you how do you balance that making the right choice as a coach in the moment in a given situation versus you know thinking with you know two eyes ahead to the future yeah i don't know if i have the answer to that but i will tell you how i process that and and you are always coaching to win your next game. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking and strategizing, okay, how do we win tomorrow's game? But you know you have 70 more games left. And you know your team needs to be better as the season moves along. Your players need to be better, better your team needs to be better. So you're balancing those two. It's it's uh, there was a quote that I really loved about, you know, I read a lot of Phil Jackson when I was younger and one, he said, I'm not a, I'm not a win at all cost guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sell my soul to win basically. And, and, the, and I know that, you know, there, when you win at all costs, it was almost like the, the other side of it was you, you, you're jeopardizing long-term potential as well. So for us, even with the Sabres, you know, we, we go out and try to win every game. We owe that to our fans and we owe that. I owe that as a coach to our players, but we also know that we need to get better as a team. So you're balancing decisions that I need to get young guys playing against top stars in the league, even though they're probably more vulnerable than mm. maybe a more seasoned guy. But I need this guy to have experience because in two months from now, he can improve way more than player B who's been in the league for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. And so you're balancing the short-term gain of a win with the long-term gain of more wins, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And I always looked at it where, you know, my priority is win more, not win at all costs today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
and that that was a tough thing in in Buffalo because they've been not in the playoffs for so long. They're like, just get me to the playoffs. Yeah, they're like, we can worry about it. you know, and, and <laughs> more now. Me, it's like I'm not. <laughs> we're we're working toward the playoffs, but I'm not gonna mm-hmm. make decisions to based on just trying to get to the playoffs. I want to win in the playoffs. I want to make sure we become a better team when we do get to the playoffs. And and Kevin Adams has been, you know. Uh, thinks and processes the same way. So does our owner, Terry Pagula. So, you know, that's, I guess, you you are trying to win tomorrow's game, but you are balancing it out. We want to be better and, and win more games down the road. So if that helps bring a little bit of clarity and then everything falls in line from your decisions from that point is, is, is how I find it and how we operate. Who else are you reading besides Phil Jackson to get better? Lots of business books. I love, I love yeah. business books. Um, Geez, you, you stumped me, but I got stacks of books at home that I just love going through. Even I'll go through them and I'll highlight them. And then over the summertime, I'll go through all my highlights and zip through, you know, book after book. And it's it's enjoyable. And um, uh, there's there's a lot of good reading out there. You mentioned players who, you know, maybe you're going to give them exposure to top top guys on, on the other team, you know, with with the thought that this is what they're going to need to face down the road. Is is Dylan Cousins one of those one, one of those guys? I mean, he's a a lot of That's people a expected one. a jump from him and there's been, and there's, we've, we've seen, we've seen signs of it early, haven't we? Yeah. There's been lots of signs. He's, he's bigger. He's stronger. Uh, he's, I should say he's thicker. He's heavier. He's stronger. Um, you know, the shot he scored on last night, he, he would have been one of those guys that probably wouldn't have believed he was in a scoring area that far away from the net. He, he came off the wing and just ripped one, uh, over Nadelkovic's shoulder. It was just a spectacular shot. Uh, in goal. And I don't know if he would have believed he was in a scoring position, uh, you know, toward the end of last year, he does now. And uh, so, so yes, we can see continued growth in him and he is ultra competitive. So he's never satisfied, which is a a nice attribute to have. Um, So he, you know, every day it's for him, it's about finding another, another way to get better. Uh, And he, there's as good as he is, there's massive growth potential uh, Mm -hmm. with him. Yeah. Well, Don, great to see you. Great, great catching up. Always a a fun conversation. Thanks for doing this. You're welcome, guys. Have a great day. Continued success. Thanks for following the Sabres. We're we're, we're, uh, unofficially Team Sabres over here. It's it's fun. It's a fun team. It's fun to even listen. Like, I love hearing how you and Kevin are so much on the same page. You don't always see that. Like, you can just feel it. That seems very genuine. You, like, unprompted brought them up. Like, it's just, it seems like such a positive situation right now. That's, that's fun to yeah, be. Yeah, no, I lucked out. I absolutely yeah. lucked out in, in this situation with, with having Kevin here. Yeah. It's been great. Awesome. Well, thanks, Don. Okay. See you guys. That was a wonderful episode of Deep Thoughts with Don I like, I could, He's. Can we get him on weekly? I, I panicked. You sent me a, a, you know, a question prompt in our chat on Zoom that I didn't know was just a, pri- I didn't know you could even do a private. I thought it was for everybody to see. So I was like, Sean, what are you doing? But then I saw it was a private message. I just to wanted me. to ask. I just want no. I was just saying. I sent that when he brought up young players who he wanted to expose to like top competition. Because I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, that's Dylan. That's Dylan Cousin. I was like, we, we got just, we, <laughs> that was more a note. That was that was a note. That's for good. Me. We should do that less, more often. Uh, sorry, lesson, sorry, lesson folks, listener, you. inside baseball and how Sean and I conduct an interview. He was great. That we, we he, it, you know, I, I think he was interim last time we talked to him and. 
and we bang the drum. Like he's he develops young players, they get better, and you can hear why. Like he's intentional in how he approaches it. He gives them an opportunity against top competition. He's weighing the big picture. I loved your question, Sean, about that. Like that balance between winning tonight and in building a program. It's uh, if you're a Sabres fan, it's easy to be excited right now. That was good. I'm I'm just glad to get legit answers from him. Like I I, I think he's a guy that we've come to count on for that, right? Where you know that. There are there are key answers to every question. We hear them a lot, and I think you, you can you can bet that you know you're not you're not going to get that from him. And I, I think I think we got some 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 good honest stuff from uh, fr- from our buddy Donnie That's Meatballs. Right. We didn't wear shirts. <sighs> we didn't wear shirts. Coming up next, the only good segment I believe Sean likes to call it my favorite segment yeah. at the very least. We will be right back. <laughs> And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is the only good segment on the show. Drop into the comment section. It's the troll is riddles three. Mm-hmm. Click on the listen. 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 <laughs> listen tab. Here's how you really do it. You open up your athletic tab. Uh, that's it. Tab. That's it. Is it tab? You go to you yeah. go to a bar. No, you run yeah, up a big tab <laughs> on the athletic. <laughs> then you download Ooh. the app. <laughs> it's actually we're running up a big a big uh, a big tab on the New York Times company now, brother. Those athletic tabs don't exist anymore. We st- the company still exists, Sean. The Athletic is a New York okay. Times company, but it still exists. Your Whatever, paycheck boss. is yeah. from the Athletic, is it not? You don't know. Uh, you get your, no, you get your big no, fancy not. direct deposit into your giant checking account, <laughs> yeah. Sean. You don't know. You don't know who signs your check. I'm pretty sure it's New York Times company because we are we are employees of the New York Times and we will be greeted as such whenever we okay. Th- visit. <laughs> okay. Okay. Carlos L, sorry to hear you caught the vid, Craig. I just figured you were big timing Sean. Both those things can be true, Carlos. I was not big timing anybody <laughs> with a fever of 110 and was delirious. Is that uh, confirmed by a medical professional that you had a 110 fever? Um. It was really bad. Were you delirious? Yeah. No, no. I told you though, I watched the Ken Burns jazz documentary. That was <laughs> great. Like it was 20 hours. It's what got me through it. And drifting in and out of like uh, Herbie Hancock music or whatever it was. Or John <laughs> Coltrane. And like, boy, I need some, I need some really good sleep. Let's see what, let's see what Ken Burns has been up to over the last it 10 was, years or so. It, it, like I, I'm indebted to it. It was a great, it was educational. It was, 
I got really attached to the, the the people involved. That's what he does. He spans over time, and then by the you know, by the time these these yeah, yeah, like that's like when I watched the baseball documentary when I was seven. By the end of it, I wanted Buck O'Neill to be my my grandpa that's right. or whatever. That's right. Same deal. Max says, Yandel is the best. I hope he finds his way into podcasts. I could listen to him talk all day. Well, good news for you, Mac. I think Keith's going to be doing a lot of a lot of media stuff moving forward. I know he's a regular on a, on a host of podcasts. So he's really Keith, good. If you need more Keith Yandel in your life, you're, you're, you're about to get it. <laughs> I like that the third out of the gauntlet became a debate in, in the uh, comments. Oh, my God. It turned into a debate on the, on the, uh, the Puck Soup Discord. I don't know how much we can say, we can or should say about that, but Gauntlet versus Gantlet absolutely turned into an argument there as well. Part of part of that was my fault because I misspoke and used the wrong version of it uh, in my so explanation. So, you created a debate that's that, I hope, um, you, so, all right, I'm going to let that go. You throw down what, what a Gauntlet. What was your mistake? You, th- uh, you, th- you throw down a Gauntlet, you mm-hmm. run through a Gantlet. I don't use words like that anyways. I'm dumb. You know what the note should have been like? Hey, this is a cliche. Don't put it in your copy. That's that is almost always that that is what I think when I see those clarifications from Monica, where it's mm-hmm. like, or if you like, people always like, you know, uh, if you use the word myriad, you just say they had myriad chances versus a myriad of chances. <laughs> uh, don't ever say myriad, <laughs> never in any form. If yes. if you are if you d- there's certain things that it, that if you're writing long, you should just do a control. A control F four and delete them. And myriad is is one of those words. Doesn't make you, know you sound what, smart. The best was some of the best writing advice I ever got was if you don't say the word when you're talking to your friends, don't write mm-hmm. it in a 100%. story. Percent. And I that, got that. Like, I got that advice too. I think I gave it to you. Probably. You myriad, and I was like, "Hey, Sean, never, you, you and I talk a lot, and you've that's never said that to me. So don't use it in your copy. Or you might have said it to me. You're my editor at what? Probably. Flip flop back and forth." I spent the first like five years of my career like obsessively trying to write the way that I talk. And that was and that yes. was a big part of it. To try to like synthesize the way that I speak and the way that I tweet and the way that I write. I was I was a I was a freak about it. And Myriad was definitely one of those things. And I'm this sure gets- I'm sure I'm sure that somebody's gonna Google my name in Myriad and find something oh, I wrote for sport, it, folks. for sporting news in twenty eleven or whatever when I when when I used it. But I don't think I don't think I've ever uh I've ever used it. That and puns. I don't make puns in my real life. I don't make puns in my writing. Same. I remove them from headlines if at all possible. What I wish I could do, and I, I'm not great at, is analogies. I love great analogies, but I'm I can't come up with them. It's a risk because, and it's a crutch. People love using analogies, and people love using shitty analogies. So, and they love using them way high up in leads. So if you're talking <laughs> about like the same is tougher than a three day old pork chop or whatever. Mm. <laughs> cool. Down. cool this next Anyways. question comes from adam p <laughs> yeah adam p writes would you rather be and then i think he accidentally hits enter and then his next comment is you know i had more of this question to type and then accidentally hit enter i'm just gonna <laughs> leave it as is so there's been another been another episode of existentialism existentialism with adam p would you rather be or would you rather have been? Mm. That's deep. Mm-hmm. You can't, there's no being if you haven't been. Remember that. Remember I said that. Whenever I die. 
Let's go right on the gravestone. Tyler Ram, I have a question for you. Who is the patron saint of longevity? The Russo army would like would now like an interview with the patron saint of longevity. The patron Keith. saint of longevity. Keith Handel? Phil Kessel? Longevity, if, if longevity, it could just be Russo if we talk about how long his posts are. <laughs> <laughs> Russo, who's been covering the league for He's like 40 years because he started as a 16-year-old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, the, that's that's the what the, he'll be like, oh, I remember covering this person for the Florida, when I was covering the Florida Panthers back in 1992. I finally, like, I finally asked him. He's been doing like, it longer than you think. Uh, last month or, or whenever. We like we we were together, and I asked him basically like how the fuck like because it's tough because he's not like Mike's not an old he's not an old guy, but he's also talking about covering stuff that happened thirty years ago. Yeah, and it's because he did. He was covering the Panthers when when he was in college. He basically put school on pause to cover that team. Yeah, that's one of those like you you can't repeat it as a like a. When people, I'm sure, ask him, how do I how do I get your career, Mike Russo? You can't be like, cover a major professional beat for a major newspaper when you're 13. That, that's the path in. Can you, I can't imagine, I could barely even keep myself alive when I was 20 years old, let alone cover a, you know, an Eastern Conference champion or whatever, whatever Mike was doing at that point. Um, so, there's a question. I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't, mm-hmm. don't want to like... Get it. I think it's an interesting question, but I don't want to get into teams we cover or not cover because that's you know it, it's a can be a wound that I don't want to open up on this show. But the question, the gist of the question is: Do you think teams would prefer to have independent coverage of their team or only like league or team reporters covering their team? Sean, I know the yeah. answer to this. Yeah, it's Michael D. And it, it's a yeah, I'm, a good I'm, I'm with I'm with you on that. I was leaving. I honestly was leaving that to you because I wasn't. I'm not going to open that can of worms because that ain't my job. But the question is: Do teams want to control from Michael D? Do teams want to control the narrative so badly that that they prefer you know the environment where the only people covering the team are team employees? Uh, the answer is yes, they do. They would much rather have mm. only team employees. In in we'll say eight I times. I disagree out, with this. Eight Sean. times. Eight times out of ten. The I I think teams I think the league might mm, I think teams want an independent here's I'll, here's voice here's the here's the way here, here's the way I'll put it and here and here's the way I'll couch it. This is so hard because there's so much I cannot say here. Uh huh. Every team, if you ask them honestly and they answered honestly, right now, and you said, "Would you rather just have your the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Toronto Maple Leafs?" Would you rather have state media shit surrounding this team and have no independent people involved with it? They would say yes. Yeah. But if you were to go to a team where that was the case and the only, you know, media surrounding the team was team employees or whatever, they would say no. Because seeing that in action is a lot different than, is a lot different, is a lot different than thinking about it in theory so it's it and i don't mean that to be a cop-out but i that is a grass is always greener thing where teams that have a ton of independent media you know the buzzard circling they would they would rather of course they would rather kick kick all of us out and just do things themselves but when push comes to shove in the teams where that has happened uh i think they are they're generally not in favor 
I would say the other thing is I know teams like you think, oh, I, I only want positive coverage in my team. I know there's teams that get frustrated. Like they're like, I need somebody to rip into this team. That's not me. Like mm-hmm. I, I've had conversations with coaches or GMs and it's just like oh, this team, because there's, there's not a, a drumbeat of negativity that, that, like, that can be overwhelming at times. But if it's only the, the team reporter, now these players, they're only getting, they're only getting criticized by the coach and they're tired of hearing from that. You know what I mean? Totally. It, there, there is a level like I've had, it's like, Hey, this team needs to get torn into like, where's the, where's the column ripping this player for, mm-hmm. and, and they, you know, I, so they, they, I don't know, like, does the met, does management or the team president want that? Probably not. Does the coach want sometimes a little bit of yeah. pressure and squeeze from 100%. the media? Apps 1000%. And if you are, by the way, if you are a team employee and you want me to uh, rip anybody specifically on your team or have any, you know, dirty work I can do for you. Just reach out. My DMs are open. Um, I will do whatever you tell me to do. <laughs> wow. Might have, might, have, might have to pay me a little bit more. Chris, yeah, yeah. I might have to or yeah. the team? No, the team. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm offering kickbacks from, from t- offering to accept kickbacks from team for uh, coverage. This is wrought with as they, as they, as they, as they wish it to be. Chris J says, I'm a month into this and I still have not gotten into the new opening. It's so cheesy and lame. Couldn't they have gotten something better? Just an early season gripe from Chris J. We picked it up. It's not they. There's no, uh, there's nobody. They said, hey, Craig and Sean, here's some options. What do you like? And I'm like, I like the one that sounds like it's from a Disney cartoon in the 50s. <laughs> yeah, where it's being played in a in a forest with chirping birds and, <laughs> you know. Rabbits who speak. I'm going to read this next one too. I'm going to yeah. roll in it okay. and it compliments yeah, yeah. me. I love this. Nick K. Another great one from the peerless Craig Hustins and his fun size sidekick Sean Gentile. Bullshit. Oh, Sean Gentile. I didn't even see that. That's see, a this, Twitter is it, reference. Is it Sam Gentle? It, Sam Gentle. Oh, Did we talk um, about that last week? You're, Specifically? Uh, no, we didn't. Not not for public consumption. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. We can. That's there's a there's a back there's a backstory there. I don't. Did me and you talk on the phone about that? I don't even remember anymore. We slacked about it. Um, I'll just say that it's a pot. Like, uh, I got a very weird podcast, a very off podcast uh, appearance request, and it is professionally done and on a show that a bunch of people you know have heard of, and it was very funny. So that's what this guy is referencing here. It's what Nick K is referencing here. Also, I'm taller than Craig. Moving on. <laughs> you keep claiming that. I ain't what I what is I'm aware of how tall I am. I'm not gonna i I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say that I'm taller than Jesse Granger or Max or whatever, because I'm not. I'm taller than you. You're more of like a pint sized sidekick. It's Lil Shawnee. It's scrappy. Uh, it's scrappy do. It's a Scooby Doo scrappy do situation. I would also say to the person <laughs> on Twitter who claimed that I should be paying for Sean's back massages because he paid because he carries the show on his back. I thought that was out of bounds. Oh, I didn't like that. Inappropriate. I mean, it's, it's not true. I have a lot. It's not I have true lo- that we have, have a great a health of- plan here. <laughs> I have a lot of payback that I have to do for Craig. Anyways, I think I owe him. I owe. I owe him a few. I like this one from Corey E. Uh, another great week, boys. Or good. He said good. I, I upgraded it to great. Another incredible week, Tuesday, boys. 
Uh, enjoyed Craig lighting a match to gasoline by saying Hashtag raised <laughs> ranks high 80s. And oh my God. Sean trying to figure out what's going on and then saying, nope, never mind. That's none of that was true. No, and then the other, the other, uh, gas, the flame to gasoline element there was like, Hashik said some crazy shit about about Russian-born players. And, I and this was story might not have even been published yet. That might have been sitting in the queue and I was reading some stories to come. And I, I certainly hadn't seen it. So, I read yeah, it later in sorry. that day and I was like, whoa, man, I got, I got, I got hosed there. Uh, yeah, I do not think Russian players should be banned from the NHL right now. I do not agree with Dominic Hashik. It took you long enough to get that that conclusion, Sean. I have broken my legendary silence on on discrimination against against Russian-born players. Should not happen. Do not agree with Dominic Hasek, but thank you for teeing me up there. SOB. Steve N. writes, really enjoying the uh, NHL 99 project so far. Um, Yeah, that's – what number are we on today? It's been really good. It's – the, the stories have all been great. I've, I, I've enjoyed it too. It's just been fun. Every day you get, you get a great long read that you wouldn't get otherwise. Is there any plans to publish the entire project as a physical book, like a actual, you turn the pages? This is such a great project that there would be a lot of demand for a coffee table type book in addition to the daily articles. Steven, nothing Stay I can good. share at this time, <laughs> yeah, but here's okay. what I would say about this. I would agree with you. Wouldn't that be a nice, nice physical thing to have in your hands and flip through and read Eric Duhatchik? I think Dom, as I motiv- as I motivate Max, myself, um, yeah. Anybody else? Who who else are you trying to read in there? Any names spring to mind? Uh, Mike Russo, mm-hmm. Russo yeah. Army. You hear that Russo's mm-hmm. Army? I got it. Uh, I have three that I need to get working on in the next. Yeah, the next, go ahead. In, in the Turn next couple in weeks, any, here. anytime, Sean. Got to have a conversation with you about those, actually. Turn them you in. Know, if you have Tim the Graham, Tim Graham's a really good writer. Really enjoy Tim Graham's work. <laughs> I'm writing um, about Eric. I, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing Lindros. That's the first one. Is he in the '80s? No, he's early. He's or he's 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 way down. Um, you did, you got that one? Wow, that's a good one. Should I just say the ones that I have here? Yeah, I, I think that's okay. Let's talk I have through. um. I have Lindros, mm-hmm. Fedorov, oh. Pronger. Wow. And Peter Forsberg. Did you have first pick in the draft? And got all those are like four of the best. Love the draw. If I was not in retirement, Fedorov would have been the one I was I would do. Oh, cool, you can help me with this one. <laughs> I'm not no, I because mean, 'cause I'm I'm having some trouble getting a hold of them. <laughs> so Is that oh, I'm not gonna make any all right. <laughs> Um, I can help you with that. Yeah, th- you will. Um, you have no choice. I, I might be able to assist you there. Any other any other comments, Sean? You wanted to uh, highlight before we uh, wrap up? I don't think so. We're doing this before we actually record our Don Granado interview, so I'm assuming that we're entering our like minute ninety seven of the podcast. Oh, here. Don was great, wasn't he? Because I like, I like when we actually we've already great. done it. Love him. Oh, that was so. It was funny when he made that joke about you and <laughs> talked about the team. So Ras- Rasmus Dahlin, huh? Wow, mm, so good. Uh, Rob Pizzo, Mike Russo, and Jesse Granger welcome Stephen Wino, oh, hockey baby. writer. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> Steven Wino, who wrote Odd Man In. It's about, uh, you know, emergency goalies. 
this is bullshit because we wanted we wanted Wino on the show, and you would have thought my long standing relationship with Steve would have uh, with Stevie would have would have won out, but no, that's okay. I know. It's why good, does why good, did the Wednesday show get Wino? It's bullshit. Wino's been, been kind of an undercover Canadian this whole time, anyways. He worked for the Canadian press. That's mm-hmm. not. That's like oh, overcover. overcover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. He's yeah. So good. He can go on that show. He doesn't need to come on the American show. Also, even better. Hillary Knight joins Haley and Sean for the athletic hockey show on Friday. Boy, that would have been a good one for the American show. Greatest American. Don't you? You know generation. what? How, Boy, how about why, you? How about that you leave that one show? untouched? Yet? Could imagine? Imagine like hmm. what could? What could the reason be? Man, that, that was a real great was, one for the American show. It was really good. It was really good. I don't know if I don't know if this is actually going to stay in the stay in the finished product or not, but I, I do need to say it here. Um, we yeah. talked to Hillary for probably about forty five minutes. She was awesome, mm-hmm. and at one point, uh, Haley had window washers directly behind her like washing the windows on the outside of her on the outside of her apartment mm-hmm. and uh Haley didn't realize it until probably a half hour in and me and Hillary were both like trying to not say anything and then Haley turned around and saw the window washers and uh got so scared that she like almost fell out of her chair it was great wow is that going to be on the I hope the, so the athletic hockey show YouTube channel? we have the video we have the video clip that'll be making the rounds but it, man it's is it, she was just a blast to talk to talk to her about future of the of the women's pro league and just mm-hmm. you know, whatever her life man it was a it was a very very chill conversation with her one of the one of my favorite assignments i ever did um was going to florida behind the scenes with daryl balfrey a skills he's a skills yeah kind of legendary skills, skills coach. guru yeah he had uh he put together a thing for the kind of the best women in the world and the best men's players in the world where they could just learn from each other and somehow i was just allowed to be a part of it and they could learn from me if they wanted I offered up my insight to how they played. Uh, and then, you know, so they're on the ice all day and then they'd go and grab food and then at night just watch clips of each other and just say, okay, what are you doing? Like, Hillary, what, are you, what, what were you doing? And it's like Austin Matthews asking, you know, Hillary Knight questions. And it was pretty, pretty cool. That's awesome. Good um, part of the interview was we didn't talk about anything like that. We don't need to talk about Well, the if men. I had been invited, I would have probably brought it up and I'd have been like, hey, Craig, Hillary, remember Craig, that one time? How about you zip it? Okay. Zip it. I mean, I, zip I feel it. like I've got good questions for Hillary Knight. <laughs> uh, big news about next week's American show, Max Baltman stepping in for yeah. me. Because I'm going to uh-huh. get COVID again, I think. <laughs> Craig, Craig, <laughs> Craig Bolsonaro? Yes. <laughs> it's a lot of bounce back cases. That's what I was actually reading about that in the New York Times. You just no sold a, a Bolsonaro joke? Come on, man. I don't even know what that is. The president, the outgoing uh, dictatorial president of <laughs> of oh. Brazil, who's gotten COVID a dozen times. Um, it's very funny. Good joke. That was that was really funny. <laughs> people are people are going to like it. I'm telling people, you. People loved it. I heard. No sold. It was um, so Max is coming in because in this case I am big timing the show. Mm-hmm. I just said who, who has time for this every single week? Not also. You. Don't forget to subscribe to the Athletic Hockey Show on YouTube. As we mentioned, it's it's if you want to see Sean and I, super um, weird. for some reason, it's very strange. I think that I think that chunk this week, thank God, is going to be 
<laughs> you're not involved at all and i am involved min- minimally it's 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 hillary it's 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 hillary and it's hillary and haley talking about okay about a lot of stuff so that'll be that'll be good way better it's what i what i'm still getting used to that's a different <laughs> audience more, over there they're much they're much smarter and much more interesting than either of us so Ooh, hillary, way to go yes also dear listener you can subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. You start, here's how it works. You start with a 30-day free trial, then it's just 99 cents a month after that. <gasps> what a deal! And this offer still stands. Annual subscriptions to The Athletic for just $1 a month for six months when you go to The Athletic Hack. You go to www.theathletic.com slash hockey show. You forgot the HTTP colon. I was reading a book and there was like references to like, you know, they're like, oh, if you want to see this on the web. And the URL was six trillion things. It was like, it was in a book. Like, what are you going to do? Type it. Type it out. Was it it like underlined too? It was, it was like a random password generator times a thousand. And I'm like, make this. And they did this over and over again. I was like, make a short URL for people that might actually want to look this up on the internet it's not it's not you not you but i would not look it up if you are going to use a hashtag of course and referencing sean carrying the show on his back it's three z's hashtag tuesday boys three z's i mean they know the first part of it goodbye enjoy max and to next week without me I will. He's cooler <laughs> than you are. He is really cool. And taller. <laughs> taller than both of us. Taller than both that of us. Is, <laughs> that's a fact. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.